0: We have reached the end of the Premier League season and crowned a champion, but who will be crowned the champion of Europe? Plus, we'll recap our takes on the Premier League from before the season. We'll cover all this and more today on the Supporter Section. Grab your scarves. We start right now. Well, welcome into the Supporter Section. I am Cole Carter, and this is episode 72 of the supporter section podcast go ahead and leave a like and subscribe as well wait we actually have reached our 100 subscriber goal for this summer so thank you all so much for making that happen now we are well on our way to a thousand subscribers so go ahead and help us out if you have not already subscribed down below i have my good friends here with me today brandon Pacenick and Stephen curl Fellas, it is good to have you back. We have completed the Premier League season. We've seen two of the big European Cups declared their champions. We are waiting on one more. We'll get to that in a second. But hasn't this been just one of the more remarkable seasons of soccer and football that we have seen, my guys?
1: Yeah. You know... The fact that we had a World Cup, and I completely forgot about it, (laughs) um, should say a lot of how good this Premier League season has been, and the the Champions League too. Um, We predicted at the beginning of the season that this could shape up to be the best Premier League season, at least that we've watched, maybe ever, and I think think it comes close to that, so phenomenal season.
0: Yeah, it's been chock full of everything. Steven, pretty incredible you'd have to say.
1: Oh, yeah. It had
2: storylines left and right. You had Ronaldo drama. Remember that at the beginning of the year? What's um, What anyone could ever talk about. And then now we have, you know, Messi leaving. I mean, these you have GOATS retiring and Zlatan. You have uh, Arsenal bottling the league. You have teams that should have been relegated staying up. You have teams losing coaches, finishing in the top six in Brighton, that arguably were the most entertaining side to watch the entire year. Just everywhere up and down on the table, you could just find different storylines to uh, follow. It was really just choose your choose your pick. Um, yeah, it was amazing, and we said it was going to be the best season ever. So,
0: you know, I think there is a pretty good chance we could say that, especially come this final game that we have for the season, the Champions League final between Real Madrid and Inter Milan, can't wait to talk about it in a second. But we had the CONCACAF Champions League final, Brandon, and uh, not too entertaining for this one.
1: No, it, it really wasn't. Um, LAFC gave it their all, but honestly, Leon was far better throughout both legs than LAFC were. Um, LAFC did not score in their home um, leg, um, which is sort of crazy uh, if you think about it. Um Leon eventually winning three one on aggregate to win the CONCACAF Champions League and take the trophy back to Mexico. LAFC Leon was a good team, but LAFC, man, you didn't you couldn't follow up Seattle, really? Come on, come on. You're a great team. You should have beaten Leon, but you didn't. Leon deserved it. And that's really it.
0: Yeah, it was such a disappointing final. They had to change the whole CONCACAF Champions League into the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Moving on from next season, I kid a little bit. In the Europa League final, we had two immovable objects meet. We had Jose Mourinho, the man who has never lost a cup final before, and Sevilla, who had won six Europa League finals. Finally, they got to meet, and this one had to go the full 120 minutes all the way to penalties, and Roma falling short to Sevilla, 4-1 to on those said penalties, and that meant a record 7th Europa League final win for Sevilla, making their way into the Champions League after having a poor season in La Liga. Pretty incredible. The scenes were amazing. Obviously, Jose not taking second well, giving away his silver medal to a young fan in the stadium. But we'll see what happens in the future with Roma, if he'll stick around or if he'll take a new job somewhere else, Jose Mourinho. And then the Europa Conference League final, Steve. This one entertaining but falling short for Fiorentina
2: yeah Fiorentina just couldn't get it done uh West Ham congrats my boys uh the Hamas getting it done who would have thought what a wild season that they've had um yeah just again storylines all up and down the board uh yeah Fiorentina Italians just not getting it done in the cup finals
0: Yeah, and you know, who would have thought out of all the London teams this year, the one to walk away with the trophy would have been West Ham. Kind of funny, kind of crazy when you think about it. Uh, They did get their first piece of silverware since lifting that FA Cup back in 1980, their first European trophy since 1965. Congratulations to the Hammers. But the biggest one, the granddaddy of them, all the Champions League final is up for grabs. We are talking about June 10th. This final is taking place in Est- Istanbul between Man City and Inter Milan the favorites of course have to be Manchester City coming in at negative four hundred that's a pretty large number right there going against negative two thirty um it's not looking good, but you have to think we talked about Inter Milan brandon this was your dark horse for this season. do you have any confidence in this one do you have a score prediction maybe for us today
1: oof um let's let's focus on the confidence before we get to the score prediction um They have earned their way here. It's not by fluke. Um, They've had to go through some teams that everyone thought they would lose to. Uh, Benfica, uh, even AC Milan in the last round in the the Milan Derby. Um, Yeah, they they probably should have been knocked out, but for some reason, they keep fighting. Uh, I was listening to a podcast today, actually, and it was a reporter who follows the Milan team's she was saying this, this enter squad, they, you know, they didn't do super well in the league this year, unfortunately, but it's like almost like they need something to fight for and like turn their brains on for, and it's been the champions league this year. Um, Lukaku stepped up when needed. Lautaro Martinez goes on these scoring runs when needed. Um, their, their manager has just assembled a really, really good squad and a consistent squad that can get things done in multiple different ways, whether they sit back in a deep block, which we might see against Man City most likely, and counter. Um, They can play through the lines really, really well. And they have Dzeko. They have Lukaku, like I mentioned. It's a good squad, front to back. So, um, In these one-off games, and I'll stop talking here, but these one-off games, you really just don't know. And I'm sort of talking myself into uh following my dark horse um in my score prediction we'll see go to steve steve thoughts on
0: this final
2: yeah um again you have a chance of a third italian team going for european glory can they do it i think they can uh i mean if you're inter milan you gotta be approaching this game like the whole season doesn't matter. Like the season's over, you have one game to be champions of Europe against Manchester City. Don't think about Benfica. Don't think about AC Milan. Just think about what you have in front of you. Um, all of Holland's goals domestically don't matter at all. All the goals he scored in this tournament don't matter. Um, so, I mean, that'd be my mentality. Um, they can win. Inter Milan's a fantastic team. They are. One of Europeans greats. And so they need to settle for nothing but that uh, performance to give out on the field. And I think they can do it. Are they the underdogs? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, obviously, but I don't, I don't know. I think anybody that's, uh, already given big ears to Manchester city doesn't really watch football too much, but, um, and Brandon, I would encourage you as a fellow Dark Horse uh, predictor and winner, just ride in with that team, buy you an Inter Milan jersey, find an Italian bar up in Columbus, you know, get down, have an espresso in the morning, get the, the flow of victory in your veins and so, uh, and they can get it done.
0: The flow of victory yeah, <laughs> in you know. your veins.
2: You know, it's it's uh,
0: not the earliest time over here. That's amazing. Um. It's going to be an interesting game. I it's hard to say. Like, you know what what side of history do you want to be on? Do you want to be on the side of the underdogs or the side of something like a treble? You know, it sucks that it has to be Manchester City that you could see potentially make history here. But at the same time, it's a chance you get to see a club that's never won a European trophy and a chance to do it on the biggest stage in the biggest way. Winning a treble would be pretty cool to see. Um maybe even a way for Pep to Kind of say, I've done it all at this point. What else can I do? Um, The one thing he can't do is score a goal away at Tottenham. We've heard him say that the past two weeks twice, which is pretty funny. Um, But yeah, Inter has some pieces to get it done. We've talked about it this past couple of weeks about how they can get it done. It's a one-off game. If it was two legs, it'd be really hard for them to do. But it's just one day in Istanbul going in 0-0. You're going to finish one way or another that same day. Why not? Why not go full tilt? Maybe you have to go get early. Maybe you want to sit back the first 45 and go hard the second half. I don't know what the plan is. Um, Maybe it is taking a look at some of the teams, what they've done against City when they've lost this season. They haven't lost, if you look and think about it, um, City, since they got Ruben Diaz back, I think, in February, which is, I think, after they lost to Tottenham when that last loss they had. Since then, they've been really, really solid having him in that center back position. Maybe he'll be the key piece. If he can keep that city defense tight. Um, it'll be really hard for Inter Milan to get past him and score. And therefore they might get that trouble win, but um, definitely excited to watch it. I can't personally, but I'm sure you guys will be glued to the TV. I've got work that way, which is really, really tough for me. Hmm. Um, but I'll try let, to do what I can. Let, let me give, let me give my
1: prediction now. I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Hey,
0: please do. If
1: Inter Milan were to win this game, it would be one to nothing. It has to be a Dzeko goal because he used to play at Manchester City. And the goal has to come in the first like 20 minutes and they hang on for dear life the rest of the game. That is the only way I can see them beating Manchester City. Um... <laughs> so am I going to say one nothing in her? Um, I will be placing a bet on this game. So that's what I will be betting. Um, no, Manchester city is going to beat them. It's going to be one, nothing, or I think a blowout, um, probably three, nothing man city to be honest, unfortunately, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. I've got this one going in favor of city. I think two zero I'm thinking probably like something like the Tottenham, uh, Liverpool one where penalty probably will be involved and then just a late goal to seal it you'll see the Man City fans doing the whole, what's the backwards jumping in stands? The, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. I don't know what it's called. So anyways, I'm saying 2-0 in favor of City. Holland with a penalty goal, and then something like Foden or Grillish getting the second to finish them off. Steve, thoughts? Um, are y'all ready for a way more
2: fun prediction? Uh, well, it's coming yes. right at you. Inter Milan are going to win the Champions League by a score of three to two in extra time. It's gonna be the game that you're not gonna want to miss while Cole's taking photos. Um, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. And a quick note too that I just realized uh, in recording is, guys, Italy, they're a powerhouse. They're back, baby. I mean, three European Cup finals, that's nothing to sneeze about. thats I mean, I think there's been a lot of talk when transfer windows are open and closed about uh, the amount of money that is spent um, in Europeans' top five leagues and Italy struggling to bring players in or not spending that much money and having issues with the Premier League. Well, this is cool to see. It's cool to see Italy uh, back in relevance in – not that that they're like on the down and down, but at the same time, there's a lot of talk about the Premier League just being this dominating force and putting three teams in European finals. That's something
1: that's pretty cool to see. So, good job, yeah. good job, baby. And if you believe in in omens and odds, does lightning strike three times? Both of those Italian teams got knocked out. Will Will they hit enter as well? I don't know.
0: (laughs) You're a man of faith, I can tell. (laughs) From Milan this time, this go-around. Well, we tried to take a stab at the Premier League this past August. We thought, you know, we're pretty smart guys. We'll try and give our preseason predictions with some league standings, our players of the year, everything in between. And let us tell you that we did not do a good job when you put those teams in positions, all three of us combined getting three out of 20, right? Individually, not the best thing. We talk about the league table, but we certainly had fun doing it then. And we're going to review it now as we talk about the 2023 season in the premier league. Um, guys, I'll start with the biggest surprise that we saw this season, Brandon, for you, what was something that you saw happen this season that you thought, wow, I cannot believe that happened.
1: I think it was all three promoted teams, staying up this year. I think the last time was in the 17-18 season when the teams did that. And I had to give a shout out to Bournemouth here, really. Um well, actually Fulham for some reason a lot of people had them at the bottom, which they bulldozed the championship last year. And like they they've been good. They've been primed for like a stay in in the Premier League. So, I don't know what people were talking about. They stayed up clear. Um, Nottingham Forest signing literally 30 players this season. Somehow Steve Cooper, keeping them all together, making them play pretty decent football come the end of the season. Uh, getting like six goals in the last God. four games or whatever it was. Um, good for them. And maybe that's something to build on. We'll have to see next year, but they have a decent squad. If they can iron it out, thin it out maybe a little bit. Um, but congrats to them. Absolutely insane that they did that. And Bournemouth. I think we all three had them at the bottom. Um, and it was not looking good. Losing nine nil to Liverpool in the early season. Um, what was Long their name? Scott Parker. Scott Parker. That's his name. Thank you. Getting fired. Again. Yeah. Like a $5,000 card again or something. Um, getting fired, going to Belgium and then getting fired there, wherever he went. Um, Bruges. Bruges, yeah, the Club yeah. Bruges, that's right. And he was managing in the Champions League. Champions oh my God. League, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll fo- focus on Bournemouth, focus on Bournemouth. Failing um, so, upwards.
0: Right, we, yeah. we didn't
1: really give Bournemouth a chance is what I'm trying to say. And again, it wasn't looking great. Then Gary O'Neill took charge after that Luton manager, right? Is that what happened? Or was he? No, no, that's not what happened. Anyway, Gary O'Neill took charge and steered the ship to safety. Congrats to Bournemouth, really. That's probably the most no, surprising no, no. one, that the fact that they turned it around at a really good time and were clear with, like, four weeks to go, basically. Um, that's what I would say is the biggest surprise.
0: Come on, you cherries. Here we go. Steve, what about you? Biggest surprise?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many. I think, the ob- at least for
2: me, the obvious answer is kind of... Chelsea maybe being as bad as they were finishing below Crystal Palace, Fulham and Brentford. If I would have told you at the beginning of the season, I believe all three of us had them. Yes. All three of us had Chelsea in our top four making champions league. Um, and by the end of the season, their fans were cheering, ironically screaming, we're staying up. Um,
0: so some of them ca- started sweating at some point.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Some, some sweating. Uh, so I think, Other than that, for me, that was kind of like my obvious pick, but a more fun one, uh, Newcastle. Now, you might be saying Saudi Arabia consortium takeover, oodles of money, da-da-da-da-da. Again, I mean, they've spent some money they have in in Karen Trippier and Nick Pope and brought some other guys into the club and whatnot. But it's the players like Joel Linton, Jacob Murphy, Miguel Almiron, and managers like uh, Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe, uh, coming into this Newcastle team, and really his appointment, I remember having fans going like, ex Bournemouth guy that got relegated with them, I don't know, um, and he really came in and just absolutely transformed this team. One of the best defenses in the Premier League had just the team playing out of their mind. Um, Newcastle finishes in the top four, making Champions League, going to a cup final, like, it's these kinds of things that just – I mean, that's that's the manager. It's the players. Um, and then you add the money aspect. But I think before things get too carried away and crazy with Newcastle's finances, I'm sure they're going to spend a lot of money this summer. Uh, but they earned this spot. I'll probably be less generous in the future years as they go along. But, I mean, they got there. They got in the top four. They got the Champions League money. That's a huge boost to their club. Um, st james was rocking this year it's a culture um, that just was established from the very get-go and they stayed up in the top four race for a while we started going oh okay like title contenders and they and they they pulled off a little bit there but anyways i'll stop talking as well Uh, but newcastle is going to be my answer for biggest surprise top four toon army okay
0: yeah. Well you have to think there's two teams. I think you made some really good points about Newcastle. There were two teams that were ahead of schedule this year. You had Newcastle and Arsenal. We talked a good bit last year about Arsenal. We talked how their fifth place finish, um, just outside the Champions League was a success for them. Like again, they were ahead of schedule last year. And then to come into the season leading, I think for twenty-ish weeks or something like that in the Premier League, I want to say it was. To bottle it late, yes, sucks, but you'll have to look at this season as a major success from Mikel Arteta, and that really young roster. Sort of the same thing with Newcastle. They didn't necessarily come in with some big signings. They had Jesus, much like Newcastle had Isaac. You got the new striker, but even then, I uh, Jesus actually missed a good chunk of the season, and they did a lot of the heavy lifting without him. So you have to think, had they had him the full season, maybe what could things have looked like? Um, But regardless, I have to say the biggest surprise for me is Arsenal. Even on the negative side, I would just say Liverpool. I think all three of us had them finishing second this year. Pretty, I mean, going down to fifth, that's a pretty big drop-off, I would say, considering the quality of this roster that they've been playing at such a high level the past four years, I think it is. Um, I think they'd be a big uh, surprise for me. What does the future of Liverpool look like? Well, I think they're going to look to players like Darwin Nunes to strike back and actually improve after their first season in the Premier League. Mo Salah started off slow but came back strong. Um, maybe they'll be back in contention next year with, with some signings like McAllister coming from Brighton on a pretty good deal, you have to say. Um, but that kind of segues into my next question I have for you guys I want to talk about is who will be looking to contend next season? I sort of just said a little bit of mine, but I want to hear from you, Stephen. If you had to think about teams this year going into next season who is going to be contending with man city and trying to get them off the top of the table
2: gosh yeah I'll, i'm gonna go with manchester united uh i i really do i think they kind of flew under the radar this year in a sneaky third place finish when I think Rashford was informed for like two months. Um, and this team is a team that had Woot Weghurst starting up top and had Cristiano Ronaldo refusing to get subbed on the beginning of the year. Um, and the end of the year with the manager that had supported the fans, supported the players with a clear identity of football, getting the best out of players like Luke Shaw. Um, and yeah, I I, I just think, there's a few problem areas on this team that you can address. And if you start to get anything out of Sancho, figure out the De Gea situation, get McGuire out and they're going to spend, they're going to spend money this summer. Like Anthony looked great his first year in the premier league. Um, In my opinion, I think there's moments where he really just dominated and took a hold of games. And I don't even think that's supposed to be his MO. So I think if you get some supporting cast and actually get a striker into Manchester United, um, Harry Kane, rumored to be out of uh, a deal to Real Madrid. I mean, it's it's starting to point to one direction, in my opinion. I'm not going to get into transfer rumors right now. But if they were to bring in a top-class striker like a Harry Kane, get rid of Maguire, spend another $100 million somewhere else in the team like they have um, – I don't know. I I want it to be Manchester United too. I'm always going to give the fun, the fun takes. And so I want to see two Manchester teams battle for the title. Um, But I also think Liverpool will rebound heavily next year. Absolutely. I think they are a top three team, like 100%. I'd put all of my money on it um, with Gakbo, Diaz, Salah, and Darwin Nunes up top. I mean, goodness gracious. Um, But anyways... Yeah, those are my two guys. United, Liverpool, might be boring answers, but I think United's a
1: sneaky, sneaky contender next year.
0: Absolutely, Brandon.
1: You know what? That's that's my answer as well. Manchester United is funny because there's this club that is always like three signings away from from competing for for a title. It seems like and then they get to the summer transfer window, and then they make these awful decisions. Now, last year, I think they got one of the decisions right, and that's Casemiro, which I'm going to talk about later. But yes. Casemiro was arguably the best signing of the season. Um, he held down their midfield when Fred and McTominy, McFred, as you will, uh, were just running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Um, not, not a Premier League mid- midfield necessarily. <laughs> uh, sorry, a starting, you know, top four title competing midfield. But Casemiro held it down, um, made them look really good. Yeah, I think they sign a striker, they sign a, an upgrade on Victor Lindelof, and you have Rafael Varane in there, or Lissandro Martinez in there. Their back line is, is pretty solid. I think the De Gea situation is interesting and their clubs in a really interesting place. They're trying to be sold. It seems like, but they're not selling. So that could be a whole mix up, right? That could throw off everything, especially spending in the summer. So who, who knows at this point, but I think 10 hog has, has the reins in check. I completely agree with you with Liverpool as well. Um, I think they could win the title next year. They're, they're that good. Um, They just brought in McAllister, their midfield was pretty weak this year, as everybody is aware. Um, a World Cup winner adding to your squad definitely does not hurt. Um, they, they need probably two more signings to really compete with Manchester City for the full extent of the year. Um, but I think they can do it. And then with Arsenal, an, an obvious answer as well. I don't know how many signings you think they would need to make but I think they're on the outskirts. Like I think Manchester United and Liverpool have a better chance of competing with Manchester City next year. I don't know, Cole. What do you think?
0: Well, it is tough, and this is the second time I'll have to talk about Arsenal. But I think <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Arsenal's interesting because I think Ramsdale is a good keeper to have in the back. Gabriel, um, you pair him with Saliba. Saliba came in kind of fiery from League One. Um, so you have a decent pairing in the center and the back. Um, Zinchenko and um, who's our right back? Tomiyasu. he has had injury issues. So that might've even played a little bit to their downfall potentially. Um, I'm not positive on that actually, but Odegaard, Bukaya Saka having incredible seasons. Leandro Tressard, a great signing from Brighton that you get on a great deal. Just adding to the depth of that team. Um, and yeah, a healthy Gabriel Jesus might be the formula you need To pack it all together for one full season, that might be enough to get them over the hump. Um, But I don't know what glaring holes they have. I don't know if Jorginho is on the end of his deal, but even just having him on the roster for Champions League, stuff like that, you have some veteran presence in that team where they might be able to scrap something either in the Champions League or in the Premier League next season. Um, But I think I would have to land at Man U, I think, as well. I think Ten Hogg is a really smart coach. Um, I think the fact that he even finished top four this season um, is a great accomplishment considering the drama at the beginning of the season like you guys mentioned and even just a a lacking figure up front um, I think is pretty good. They might be contending um, which side of Manchester will win. It will be red or it will be blue. That probably will be my pick. Um, But I think we're going to see a similar-ish situation with the top four next season where it could be anyone's game. That's going to be the big thing for me is Can Newcastle repeat? Um, Will they not improve? They get a big injection of money um, coming with Champions League and also with their ownership. What will Chelsea do next season? That's my biggest question mark. If Marito Pochettino has any influence over the transfer window or just general coaching at Chelsea with the full preseason, can he write the ship at all? Can he convince players like Kai Havertz to not want to leave, go jump ship to Real Madrid or somewhere like Paris? I don't know. Um, I don't think they'll be able to compete for a title, but maybe they can get back in the mix for Champions League. We'll have to see. But as far as title tangents go, I'm going to go with Manchester United. Um, But on the opposite end of the spectrum, we had some relegated sides that had unfavorable seasons, to say the least, Southampton, Leeds, and Leicester City. Three teams that I don't think, I guess you guys both had Leeds, but certainly not Leicester and Southampton guys. Next year, it's going to be an interesting season in the championship. Leicester lost a lot of players just on expiring contracts. They'll probably look to offload someone like James Madison. Um, It's going to be an interesting season in the championship for them. Leeds United, the same kind of deal. What will the Americans do? What's going to happen with them in Southampton? It's just a rough situation there as well. So my question coming up for these teams is who of them, if any, will have the chance to even come back up to the Premier League after a season in the championship, guys? (laughs)
1: Oh,
0: <laughs> I think none of them will come back up direct, like directly.
1: Yeah. Um, honestly, I think depends who leads hold on to and who their manager is. Um, I think they might be the best set up. Um, to come right back up out of Southampton and and Leicester because Leicester is losing everybody. Um. Southampton is full of really young players that still need to be developed. You could see them staying down for two years or so. And then, you know, building up that squad, getting that that average age a little higher and uh, maybe winning the championship or at least getting through through the playoff, however it works. Um, But Leeds, we've talked about this so many times, I feel like I've exhausted it. Their team was full of championship players. It it really was. And so that's why it wasn't that difficult to predict them to go down. Um they made those signings in January and then immediately fired the coach they made the signings for. And look what happened. Um they they changed managers three times, I think this season was it. So anywho, they deserve to go down, but oddly enough, I think they're they're out of the three, they could come back up next season.
0: It's gonna be rough. Go ahead, Steve.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was just going to echo that to Brandon's point as well. We know McKinney's not going to be on that roster in the championship deciding to go back to Juventus. It was a clause in that potential transfer move that they went for him. Um, but, yeah, I think Leicester, it's just sad. You just see this team just getting dismembered, like at like a horror scene in a movie or something. It's just sad um, to see the title winners be – go down to the championship and probably stay there. If I had a bet, I would say all three stay down. Um, like Brandon said, but yeah, I'll echo the point that I think Leeds would be the team to come back up.
0: Yeah. There's no telling. I certainly don't have any idea. If I had to pick one, I want to come back up. I want the sweetheart and Leicester just because they've done it before in the premier league. Um, Probably, I'm going to guess Southampton. I think Southampton will probably come back up. Uh, Just sort of think about what maybe West Brom they'd be competing with. Um, Green and yellow team, who am I not thinking of right now? Norwich. Norwich. I mean, those are the perennial come up, come down, yo-yo teams. Um, So you got to think they'll probably want to, they'll be making big moves. I think Southampton will be the first ones to come back. They've got the Premier League pedigree the past decade or so. I wouldn't put it past them to come back up with the next season. But we do have the new teams coming up. We had the record breakers in Burnley, Sheffield United, and the, <laughs> the real Cinderella, Lutton Town, the tiny, tiny stadium. They're going to have to make some renovations just to even be able to play the Premier League. How will they fare this season, guys? Are we thinking they'll even be able to make it a season? Will we have all three survive again this year? Um, I'll start on this one and say I think that Vincent Company has the real deal with Burnley. Um, I don't think they're going to be doing anything like what Brentford's done, climbing into the top ten. But I could see them nestling into a 12th or 13th place in this upcoming season, um, playing an attractive style of football. Him having just the knowledge of Pep growing up in that system, um, I feel pretty good about them. Sheffield United probably going to be one of those yo-yo teams again. Come up, relegated. Come up, relegated. And Luton Town, I know nothing about. If I'm being honest, I. Probably none of us could have predicted them even coming in the Premier League. I'm sure it won't fare well for them. They'll probably be um, finding themselves at the bottom, but there'll be nothing to be upset with that. I mean, just the fact they've even made the miracle run into the Premier League is something that they'll be ecstatic about um, making the big payday, uh, getting to be a part of that championship playoff run. But Steve, for you, the fate of these promoted sides, what's it look like for you?
2: I, I think Burnley will stay up. I don't think they'll finish 12th or 13th. I still think they'll finish near the bottom, but this is a team that only lost three games in the championship this year out of 46 matches, so that's very impressive. Um, I think they'll stay up. I do think Sheffield will go down, um, and Lutton as well. Like I a quick point uh, on Lutton, it's one of those time like one of those teams like you see a team get promoted and you kind of know they're going to get relegated. But you live for the moments when you see a guy that's on 2,000 pounds a week score a goal against Ederson um, and just pandemonium breakout, maybe in a 4-1 loss. But it's – and maybe I'm too disrespectful right now. I don't know. Who knows what they're going to be like next season. But um, I cannot wait to see Premier League matches on TV in that stadium. It's going to be amazing. I'm the VAR
0: so, is going to be in someone's living room.
2: Literally. I'm so stoked for the community. Like I cannot imagine what it is like for the people of Luttentown to be able to see their team in the Premier League after playing in, I think, the Conference League less than like around like six years ago. Um, but anyways, it's it's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it was about six years ago. They've made their way all the way through the ranks. But as I mentioned in previous podcasts, they will be finding their way back down to the championship. They will finish 20th and could set the worst record Uh, for amount of points. Um, They will get demolished by Everton next year. Let's just say that. They are not very good unless they come up with a bunch of money, which probably wouldn't be the best choice for them to spend a bunch of money when they just came up. So, I don't know. Um, Sheffield United. I don't know much about them, but they started slipping towards the end of the season. They were still able to make that automatic promotion. Um, They beat Tottenham in the FA Cup. so (laughs) Uh, Well, a lot of teams beat Tottenham this year, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sheffield United. could see them obviously going down. But Burnley, I get the hype. I love it. And I think you know, they're managed by a legend, but Norwich usually plays great soccer in the championship. They usually have a great record coming into the, the premier league and then they absolutely get washed. So I'd be careful of, of saying Burnley is going to stay up out of the three. They have the best odds and they have a handful of premier league players or sorry, players that have played in the premier league before that help them in their campaign this season. So Burnley, not as high as 13th, probably more so like 16th, um, but they should be exciting to watch next year.
0: I say the safety for them is safety. Um, I think Lenten Town they are building a new stadium. So maybe that is something to be excited about. Um, but for the time being, we obviously know that they are going to be playing in a 10,000 or so seat stadium. <laughs> yeah. Um, still pretty incredible. Well, we had some more predictions from the beginning of the season. We had our best transfer slash most impactful one, um, the aforementioned Arsenal trio. Jesus coming to them with Jesus, Saka, Martinelli. I couldn't think of Martinelli earlier. Him having an incredible season. I was going to talk about them being a dangerous quartet with Odegaard and it turned out to be mostly pretty true. Um, Jesus obviously got off to a very hot start um, but then that injury came pretty early on and Gave him a bit of a handicap to his season uh, moving on from Manchester City, be kind of be, trying to become the star man at Arsenal and uh, go on to have some great success. Uh, what can they do this next one? Um, how do you guys feel about your predictions from the beginning of the season with these best transfer slash most impactful?
1: You know, I wasn't too far off. You know, I was being a little bit of a homer in in mine. Classic, right? Uh, I said Diego Carlos for Villa. Signed him for a good amount of money. I think he got hurt in like the fifth game. He tore his ACL or something. It was literally out all season. So um, that one. But I put a couple more in there. I said Sven Bottman, who signed for Newcastle,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, or Gianluca Scamaca, who played for West Ham. Um, Scamaca hardly played. Um, so wrong on that one, but Sven Bottman was absolutely amazing this year. Newcastle went from allowing 62 goals last season to just 33, basically in half. And he is, and he is the main, not the main, one of the main reasons that they did that. Um, he was the hot defender last summer. Newcastle got him somehow and he was their star defender this year. Their whole defense was good. Don't get me wrong, but. He was the guy that solidified it all. Incredible transformation for him and for Newcastle. Give me a, give me a green check for that one, please.
0: Hey, I'll take that. Steve, yours. How are, you, how are you feeling about it now that we've had a little bit of hindsight? of 2020.
2: Listen, let me tell you about a player that had 14 goal involvements and in only 16 matches for West Ham United. And then let me tell you about a guy that signed on free And was paid the highest salary in a club's history. And in 17 Premier League matches, did not register a goal or an assist. I'm talking about Jesse Lingard. I missed so bad on this. Thank goodness they had the likes of Morgan Gibbs, White, um, and that beautiful, beautiful striker that just could not stop scoring goals at the top of the name. I forgot it off the top of my head. Uh, But it's.
1: Awangyi. Oh, Awangyi. Oh, yeah.
2: Um but yeah, Jesse Lingard was a total bust. Um was supposed to be the staple of this team and just was not. Had some injury stuff, but um that's and honestly when you think about that, them putting all of their chips on Jesse to be the guy and them still staying up after he did not score a goal or register an assist the entire season is pretty impressive. But yeah, I missed very
0: bad on that one. Hey, but for Nottingham Forest, they did pretty good, only missing one of the 25 signings. I mean, that's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you throw you enough at a dartboard, you hit one. Yeah. Eventually, you get something to stick. <laughs> um Wow. I mean, it's a pretty. Again, they're impressive that they stayed up. Steve Cooper doing a great job just getting them to stay up for another season in the Premier League. I don't know how many of them are going to stay another season at Forest, how many of the new 25 are going to stick around, but. Um, certainly crazy that they even had this season that they ended up with, um, pretty remarkable. We had some predictions for the golden boot. I was the lone one saying that Harry Kane could do it. You both had Erling Haaland, the newcomer scoring and winning the golden boot him setting a premier league record with 36 goals. Pretty remarkable. When you think about that, Harry Kane, though, the second time that he has scored 30 goals in a season, both times missing out on the golden boot. You have to say you got to feel bad for the guy, um, especially on a Tottenham side where he's doing all the heavy lifting and getting Steven, nothing for it. Um, The most assists, the playmaker of the year, um, Brandon and I both going for Kevin De Bruyne, Steve, the odd one out here with Trent Alexander Arnold. Can't blame me there, but a staggering 16 assists for Kevin De Bruyne and guys, this might be the surprise of the season. One that kind of came to a shock to me when it kind of came out to the end of it. Um, the Golden Glove Award, David De Gea. He had 17 clean sheets this season. That's three more than the next two, sorry, three players that had Allison, Nick Pope, and Ramsdale. Man United 17 clean sheets, David De Gea. We both thought, Brandon, that Ederson would have it. He's not even in the top five this season of clean sheets. And Steve Allison coming in second. Um pretty pretty crazy and then the mvp of the season we all had some varying picks for this one um i think some funny ones some ones that probably were decent and the middle ground that's probably somewhere we could land on i do want to talk about this one because it is pretty funny um as we all know erling holland breaking records coming into the premier league smashing it doing incredible things No one maybe could have foreseen what he was going to do. We knew he'd be good, but maybe not that good. Well, personally, I thought Kevin De Bruyne, coming off his incredible seasons that he's had in the past, would be the difference maker, especially with Erling Haaland coming in. I thought he'd be the MVP of the season. However, that was not the case. Brandon, your explanation, your thoughts on your pick.
1: Honestly, if if Haaland didn't exist or if he got a little less goals, it could have gone to Salah. I think he had 19 goals, 12 assists a quiet no one's talking about it a quiet 19 goals yeah. 12 assists I might be wrong on those numbers but it's something crazy like that look it up I think it's in, in later here I might might be bringing it up but um you know I think he's probably second for me in, in the player of the season race Holland definitely wins it by a mile just breaking record after record um 36 goals insane but um I think Sala actually edges De Bruyne out for me. And I mean, I don't know. Steve's pick was probably the better of the three, right?
0: (laughs) Steve, I'm so happy that you had this pick. But please tell the people what it was and remind them.
2: Five Champions League trophies. (laughs) I'm talking one of the best players of our generation. And it's not Gareth Bale. I had Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh my gosh! I wanted, I wanted the United Dream this season so bad. I he had he had 21 goal involvements last season for United, and he, I, he even had I think three goals for United this year before he bowed out um, and left. But it was I, I don't know what's the worst miss: Jesse Lingard or Cristiano Ronaldo? Uh, <laughs> God. Uh, I'm going full American on this too, which is hilarious. Like these are just such bad takes. And let's be clear. I had – I picked it for some shock factor as well. I definitely <laughs> did. Um, yeah. But I, I just – I wanted Ronaldo to score 20 goals for United this year. I wanted it to happen. Um, but yeah, no, I did it.
0: Man, I think we all wanted it. But then that Brentford game, what was it, 4-0 at half? The writing was just on the wall. It just wasn't going to happen. The relationship with Ten Hogg just wasn't going to flourish. And that was the end of an era that we thought was going to be a great one. We had an amazing first season. He was in so many people's uh, best 11 in 2022. And then suddenly it just all went downhill so quick. And I don't think anyone really could have predicted that except maybe the people in Manchester, but Steve, I can't blame you, buddy. I was, I was riding the wave. I was, I was on the hype train as I well. Want, but... I wanted
2: it so bad. I wanted <laughs> it so bad. <laughs> and it, uh, real quick too. It's funny with Ronaldo's season. You, I don't know about y'all, but I kind of got a sense when I was watching the world cup uh, when he scored his first goal in the tournament, I was like, you know, if he has a good tournament, like, Maybe he can kind of, like, revive this season. And then you saw him just get dropped in Portugal from the starting 11. And then it was... Uh, what a year for Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Starting... Top, to legend. <laughs> literally. Starting up top in the starting 11 for Man U. First game of the season. Last game of the season. No one knows who his Saudi Arabian side even played. Um, but anyways, crazy.
0: Again, we, we mentioned at the beginning, it just was such an incredible season. So many things happened. So yeah, many so storylines, so much. Gosh, it's just incredible to think back on it. Um, maybe we'll get to a little bit of a memory lane at the end. I don't know, but um, I do want to move on. We had the young player this season. Um, I thought this was pretty clear cut. Maybe some competition with your pick, Brandon, I had Erling Holland, you had Bakayo Osaka, and Steve also with Erling Holland. I mean, the guy just tore it up in the Bundesliga Thornton. Um, he even did it, was it RB Salzburg in the Champions League there? And then coming to Man City, just unleashed an entire new beast under Pep Guardiola, um, winning it at 22 years old. Not only did he win the young player, he got the player of the season. Um, pretty crazy what this kid can do at such a young age. Can he break some records? Will he be catching up to Harry Kane and Alan Shearer atop the Premier League title? Sorry, the Premier League all time goal scoring record. Time will tell if he'll stick around in the Premier League. Um, manager of the season, guys, this one came out to be Pep Guardiola at the end of the day. Um, but I want to hear from you two. If you had to pick your own manager of the season award, who would it be, Brandon? Let's start with you first.
1: I feel like it's always given to the team that wins it, which. I guess is the right thing, right? I, I sort of struggle with that. I guess it's the right thing. You won the league. So obviously that manager is probably the best, but I think I've said this before for me, like that doesn't tell the whole story. Eddie, Howe, we've mentioned him today. We mentioned him on multiple podcasts in the past. He took them from mid table mediocrity. to one of the most exciting teams in the premier league. They were consistent defensively sound. Like we mentioned earlier, and they haven't even had major investment yet. He's definitely my manager of the year. Newcastle's probably my team of the year for what they've done. Um, I'm drinking the Toon Kool-Aid for some reason. Um, and it tastes really good because they were fun. And they're going to get some major investment this year. And honestly, I hope they keep mixing it up up there. I know we didn't mention them for for title um, challengers next year but I hope they do honestly I hope they get in the mix so Eddie Howe would be my manager of the year Steve yeah um I
2: mean that's a great shout and honestly probably I I mean I agree um but I'll give some love to your to your Birmingham team and Aston Villa Unai Emery uh really just transformed this team and they're a team that has finished in a European place. Um, even though, what's the, who's the all's midfielder? The young, the young English guy.
1: Jacob Ramsey. Jacob
2: Ramsey. Even though Jacob Ramsey said, it's just conference league. Uh,
1: and in uh, a virus, tongue in cheek. I think it was, I think he was joking. Yeah. But...
2: Um, but no, I think that's a team that's looking to build next year. And it's very, it's I think it's easy to see teams that finish higher than their than their weight class, but I think Villa was punching right even with teams like Tottenham, Liverpool, and towards the end there, they were just – you had your money on Villa. Um, I know Brandon made a lot of money on Villa towards the end there. Uh, but it, a lot, big part in that is to Unai Emery. Um, he's a fantastic coach. Um, he's a winner. He's accomplished a lot in his coaching career. I like to see him back in the Premier League. Um and doing things for Aston Villa who under Gerard were in trouble. Um and it's great to see. So I'll I'll go Unai Emery. I think, Brandon, you can correct me on this, but since his appointment, he had like top three most points won um in the yeah. Premier League.
1: I think we were third most points. Yeah, yeah behind I wanna say city and arsenal.
2: Like that's yeah. that's absolutely insane. I mean, that is a manager bounce, like just by facts and numbers. So, um, yeah, good job. Little honorable mention there.
0: My honorable mention, I think, goes to Roberto De at Brighton. Um, the fact that they started the season with Grand Potter, and then I think six games in, he goes to Chelsea doesn't even finish the season with Chelsea, but the getting Brighton into European play for the first time in the club's history, you know, it wasn't a perfect season by any means. Um, but the fact that he got them there, taking over a squad that had some turnover with players leaving um, and then threats of them leaving at different deadlines. Um, I think it's such an impressive feat for them, but it's hard to ignore um, what Eddie Howe did at Newcastle for me. Um, Pep Guardiola, you know what he can do with the Man City team. It's just, it is what it is, but Newcastle coming in, shaking things up in the top four for the first time in 20 something years for them. Um, I have to give it to Eddie Howe. He has been working his butt off, working with Bournemouth, um, getting them to the Premier League. Um, I think he has done the best as a manager this season and, undes- and has certainly deserved manager of the season in my eyes um, for sure. Now to the fun part, the goal of the season. There were some stellar ones, um, many volleys, um, lots of bangers from 25, 30 yards out. Um, for me, the one that sticks out is that Newcastle goal from Miguel Amaral. He actually had two of the season. I thought were pretty amazing, but that one first time volley going off the side of his foot into the corner of the net for me is my goal of the season. You'll have to look these up in your free time. NBC sports has them set up. Um, Brandon, your goal this season is from who, uh, I, these are my top two goals of the season. They're from the same
1: player. Um, that Miguel Amron, by the way, you got to go watch that. Like over his head, like catching it on the side of his foot. And mm-hmm. I, crazy. Um, but this guy, where did he come from? I don't know. Julio and CISO for Brighton. His goals against Chelsea, I think it was like maybe in February, was it? And his goal against Man City, on one of the last games of the season. Absolute. Rockets. I don't know how he hits the ball like that. The one against Chelsea was still rising when it hit the top corner of the net. That one was from like 24 yards out. The goal against Man City looked like a prime Ronaldo from Manchester United goal. You remember watching those highlights where he's shooting it from everywhere and it's going in? That's what it looked like. It was insane. So good for him. He's going to be another one to watch out for this next season for Brian. They'll probably end up selling him for a lot of money as they do. But those are those are the two best goals I've seen all year.
0: Steve, you pick one out? I did, yeah. And,
2: you know, it's only fitting that my goal of the season is going to go against Tottenham. And it was a good goal, but... I think the goal of the season, how I interpret it, is like, you know, that just epitomizes this season. And it was Jacob Murphy's goal. Uh that put Newcastle up three nil over Tottenham within nine minutes. Um <laughs> and my favorite part about the goal, uh what well, he was it was like pretty far out, but it was after the goal. He's just like looking at himself, like almost like surprised, just going, Oh, like I just did that. Um it was it was a, it was an amazing goal, and again, praise to these Newcastle players. They started playing out of their skin. Um and were taking shots on from thirty yards out and from odd angles, and they were just shooting and scoring. Um and that's one goal that stuck with me throughout the entire year. When I think of goals I go, Jacob Murphy, like that goal was like the top in my head when we were discussing goals of the season.
0: And they ended Hugo Luce's Tottenham career that day. Yeah man rest in peace of that Goose. yeah there were so many good goals this season I even I think even that top 25 there was some I was surprised didn't make it Um, but yeah just stellar NC so for sure Um, some bangers in there Um, but some favorite moments early on we kind of hinted at it before with our conversation off camera but for me it is that Chelsea Tottenham moment we all know what it is the handshake moment you had the late draw, Harry Kane getting the header in the 90-plus minute against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, them going to the away end, celebrating everything that could have happened the moment, and then the moment, Thomas Tuchel and T- Antonio Conte, the infamous handshake, Tuchel bringing Antonio in close, Conte not making eye contact, and suddenly things turn into an entire mess. Oh man, they just feel like a lifetime ago. It doesn't even I'm feel like insane. this season. Like but that was not the season. <laughs> like that gosh. feels like decades ago. It's insane. <sighs> and it just—it's just two entirely different teams. At that point, you thought, man, these two teams are going to be competing for top four. They're going to be doing this the whole season. What's going to happen? And the next time they play each other at Tottenham, and by the time that happened, these teams weren't even mere images of themselves. It's just, ugh so fun to look back on though man i missed those days august was just a totally different time um, but steve if you had to go look back on the premier league season as a favorite memory where would you land for one
2: yeah honestly um gosh the whole antonio conte saga with tottenham was just it's it wasn't a specific moment but it was like it was the press conference it was just it was just the dramatics of it all. It was just absolutely hilarious. Um, I love that, but I won't give that. So you just said a Conte. But um, I'll do a funny one with my MVP, Cristiano Ronaldo, refusing to get subbed onto the field against Tottenham. Uh, he is, His stature would not be insulted by such a request by his manager. He sat down and had interviews with Pierce Morgan. Like, that happened this year. That's random. Um, just. Yeah, that whole moment – well, that will be my moment of the year is Ronaldo refusing to get subbed on and sitting down on a one-on-one Pierce Morgan interview, Cristiano Ronaldo tells all, was just so weird. Um, It ended his career at Manchester United. So, um, And she was getting paid a lot of money, and he could have not done that interview and stayed on the team and just – who knows what could have happened. Um, but yeah, that's my moment.
1: Mm. And the fact that he said it wasn't about the money wherever he moved next, he wanted to compete. He wanted to play in the champions league (laughs) and then Saudi Arabia gets announced and his career is gone. No one cares anymore. Insane. What he just did in one season what not even a season in six months, what he did to his own career just blew it up. I, 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 I don't get it. I can't get it.
0: There's the storylines the whole season. Thomas Tuchel getting fired for doing almost nothing wrong. Having almost the half, was it, I don't know, up until March, he had half of Chelsea's points and he coached six games, five games. Like that storyline's incredible. Just, oh my gosh. It's just, the World Cup happened. God, Champions League was great this season. I mean, it's just, this is just the most remarkable season. And Brian, we haven't gotten to your favorite moment yet, but. Gosh, crazy, crazy. What is your favorite moment?
1: It was was crazy. And this one's an easy one for me. Aston Villa beating Brighton on the final day to clinch a European Conference League spot. Um, We're back in Europe. I said said it at the beginning of the season. I also said Philip Coutinho was going to help us get there, which he didn't at all. But um, we did get there, and I am going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it this next year. And... Honestly, it's where we should be, I think. Um, I think people at the beginning of the season predicted um, Assevilla to be up and around that area. So on the face of it, it doesn't seem surprising. But like you mentioned earlier, earlier, under Steven Gerrard, we were getting relegated, and it was not good. Made the change relatively early, bringing Unai Emery, who has an amazing pedigree, like you mentioned. Turns the club around. The whole club, by the way. The whole club. I mean, players that we got promoted with Tyrone Mings and John McGinn are looking back to their best, only bringing in, I think, two players and one of them hardly played. Uh, But Alex Moreno, our left back, completely changed our squad. It's just this guy is is a complete professional. And I think he's borderline, he's borderline like top tier manager in the world. Um, He's A or S tier, that's for sure. So Love the guy. Love that Aston Villa is back up there in the big time or semi-big time, if, if you will. Um, and I can't wait to watch them next season. I'm sure there's so many other storylines, too, that we're just not, like, mentioning. I think the most dice moment is – or the, the, one of my favorite moments is dice coming in and having the one, most Dyche moments ever, beating Arsenal 1-0 at home <laughs> on his first game. That was like,
0: awesome. <laughs>
1: like who could have predicted that well we did because we were like he's probably going to be arsenal one (laughs) because that's what he does right like that's another moment uh we're a dice we're a
2: dice podcast for sure we love that man i mean everton staying up everton avoiding relegation back-to-back seasons in a row and we said at the start of this season we're like where are they gonna be at are they gonna they're gonna struggle they just lost um richard who would go on to take his shirt off more than he would score uh in yeah. the Premier League this year, being off sides. It was I mean, yeah, it was absolutely sensational. And then again, Nottingham Forest staying up is still absolutely insane to me, signing thirty players. Thirty players. We didn't
1: even we didn't even mention West Ham like almost getting relegated, David Moyes almost getting fired, having like this weird confidence that he was totally fine, which I think he was too, but just like outwardly saying it and then going and winning the Europa conference league and staying up like just a like, that's a weird storyline. I'm trying to think of what else. Let me just look at the table one last time before we move on, because I'm like, there's gotta be something else in there that I have a favorite moment. Um, God, I don't know.
0: It's been crazy. It's been a crazy season. That's that's just the way it is. But I think a good way, if you want to move on. Are you ready to move on? Yes, yes. yes. yes go ahead. Okay, okay. We'll we finish it off. Our team of this season, this is something that we have compiled behind closed doors, each uniquely picking our best 11 for this season. Something a little spicy, something to get the people going. I'll get us started. Um. You know, people have different opinions on, how you're supposed to set the formation for the best team. Some people think you can only have one person up top. You can have the four, four, three, whatever, all the different formations. I landed on a four, four, two, a little bit of a diamond in the middle with two strikers up top. You know where I'm going with this one. I landed with the top two goal scorers, Erling Holland and Harry Kane as my two strikers in this formation. And then you'll find in the middle, my center attacking mid, Martin Odegaard. He had a fantastic season for Arsenal. The new new captain for Arsenal. The young guy um, from Norway. Two of the Norwegians getting on my top 11. On the right side, you found Bukaya Saka um, paired alongside Kevin De Bruyne in the middle. If you had that five people up front, you'd be an unstoppable force. Um, Declan Rice, maybe someone that... I don't know if everyone else would have picked, um, but he played that center defensive mid role. I was really, really torn on this one. Um, Rodri is just such a force in that Manchester City cog. Um, I wanted to pick him. He's so good at passing and distributing the ball, um, yet also getting it done defensively. But Declan Rice, um, I think I was looking up some stats earlier. Um, he did produce, I think, some forward passing, but his interception rate, tackle rate, um, a lot of his numbers were top like three or four a lot of different categories. So I gave him the edge there. And then at right back for me, it was a pretty clear choice. I think Kieran Trippier um, really energizing this Newcastle team up into the Champions League, a guy that had been written off at Tottenham, a guy that really once he went to Atletico Madrid, people said he was done. Um, never really fit in well there as an Englishman. I'm becoming the first Englishman to even play at, at Atletico. I think in like a hundred years, something crazy like that. And then coming back to the Premier League at 32, I want to say, and absolutely thriving, playing his best. He's in the Premier League, debatably. Um, definitely deserved to be in my top 11. And then Brandon, Sven Baltman making it into my center back pick. Um, I struggle with this one because Ruben Diaz, as I mentioned earlier, only played, I think, 22 Premier League games. And so he was really, really efficient. Absolute game changer. Um, but I think Baltman. Had to pick someone from that Newcastle defense, obviously trippier. So the two of them sneaking in for me, I paired him alongside Gabriel from Arsenal and then another Arsenal player, Alexander Zinchenko. A lot of people i saw had picked Luke Shaw Zinchenko before his injury late in the season had been pretty efficient um, playing defense for Arsenal. And then my pick for goalkeeper, I landed on David Raya. Having the most saves, stop shots in the Premier League, Not necessarily saving them all, but Brentford, you know, sometimes had a leaky defense. He did his job um, becoming one of the more efficient, better stop keepers in the Premier League. That is my best 11 in the Premier League. Um, We'll compare Mm. in a second, Brandon, with yours, but go ahead and get kicked off on yours.
1: Man, I thought we were going to sit here and debate and scream and yell at each other. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe we got to say I'll, him first. I'll say mine first. I'll go through it quickly and then we can make arguments from back to front. I'm going with Allison, 14 clean sheets. Um, he had an insane like save rate. I forget what they were saying. It was like goals that should have gone in that he saved. Um, I think it was like XG versus XS. Not to get into like stats, but anywho, he was the best in the league. Um, and then the amount of one-on-one saves I saw him make this year was absolutely insane. So Allison there, Purvis Estupignon from Brighton was by far the best left back in the league this year, stats wise. Um, he was unreal. The fitness on that guy, absolutely insane. I take him every day of the week. Oh, I didn't even say this. 4-4-2 is my formation as well. (laughs) Seems like the only one because of the two guys up top, but, um, Yeah, Sven Bauten made my back line, obviously. And then I put John Stones there for for the Mm -hmm. second, second back, center back pairing. He did move into like more of a midfield role at the end of the year. Um, But I think his impact on Manchester City, the way he was so consistent. Remember, at the beginning of the year, he wasn't doing that midfield thing. He was playing and starting at center back. Um, Pep, you know, coming up with this new formation and style play towards the end of the year. Um, but John Stones goes in there for me. I do want to shout out Ethan Pinnick and Lewis Dunk from Brighton and Brentford. Um, they're on my my bench, if you will. Like they were so good this year as well defensively. So, but they just don't get in over these two because these two were so good. Right back here in Trippier, if you have a different right back on your squad best eleven, you're crazy. This was the dude this year. Um, in the midfield. My defensive midfielder, Casemiro, um, per top five league, from the top five leagues in the world, midfielders, sorry, um, his tackle percentage um, was, he was, sorry, for his tackles, he was in the 96th percentile, interceptions, 84th percentile, blocks, the 99th percentile, clearances, the 98th percentile, aerial duels, one, 96th percentile. So he's one of the best defensive midfielders in the in the world, Rolls Royce. And then Kevin De Bruyne, got to put him in. But um, that means I'm I'm skipping out on one other guy that I really, really feel bad about, and I think we need to debate on. Kevin De Bruyne had seven goals, 16 assists. Martin Odegaard had 15 goals, seven assists, basically like a reverse. So they were both incredible this year. I guess it just really depends how we want to set up the team. But guy, I had to mention both. On my left wing slash left midfield, Marcus Rashford, 17 goals, five assists. I know he likes that coming off the left and maybe not as a traditional winger, but Marcus Rashford, absolutely amazing season. Right wing, like I mentioned earlier, it was 19 goals, 12 assists. Mohamed Salah, where did that come from? Where did that come from? I don't know, but what a season he had. And then obviously up top it's Holland and Kane. I don't need to say anymore, do I? No.
0: No, 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 no. Steve, where are you at?
1: All right. I'm going to run through it quickly.
2: I'm doing a 4-4-2 four, four, as well. Gosh, look at all Starting. of us. Also, we did not talk about this beforehand. This is all learning at the first time right now. Um, I'll start. Yes. uh, I'll start from the back as well. I'm giving some love to Villa. World Cup might have a little bit of a sway on me in this choice. And Emiliano Martinez. Um. I think he's just a great keeper. That's a guy that I want in a PK shootout um, emerging goalkeeper over the past two to three seasons. He's awesome. Um, left back could not agree more with my man, Brandon. Purpose of Stupion is just absolutely amazing um, for all the reasons stated by my colleague. Uh, Sven Botman, for for some reason I thought it was going to be the the sneaky – I'm gonna have it different than at least no, we all had him on our uh best eleven. Sven Botman. Um now I still put Ruben Diaz playing alongside with him. I'm thinking about this champions. I just he's I still think he's one of the best defenders in the world. He didn't play that much this season to Cole's point, but I still think he's top class, one of the best. Um I was having a hard time picking somebody else. So that's honestly probably the main reason I put him in there. Uh yeah, Ruben I Diaz. Yeah, Ruben Diaz, Finn Botman holding it down in the back alongside with ex-Tottenham boy on the right side, Kieran Trippier, uh, amazing player. Um, free kick master class. I think people forget about that too. Um, in the middle, now this is where it gets a little comical. I don't care. I'm going all attack. Uh, I got Martin Odegaard in the midfield with his alter ego, Kevin De Bruyne, and on the left wing Purely, purely, um, out of just my love for this man is Koro Matoma from Brighton. Um, what a season he had. He was just – the football IQ on this man was just absolutely beautiful to watch on display. The stats might not all be there, but I don't care about those. I love Matoma. um, Holland and Kane get the nod for me up top. And on the right side, it's Brandon's MVP pick. The Egyptian king, Mohammed Salah, um, he's a guy that's always a threat to win the golden boot and be the best player in the Premier League. And he has just been lights out for Liverpool ever since joining, even on his quote-unquote off years. So we're like, oh, Liverpool finished uh, in Europa League this year. What did Salah do? Oh, so like 17 goals, 9 assists? All right, cool. Yeah, like it's – he's so consistent for Liverpool even when they aren't consistent. Um but yeah, that's my Premier League best eleven, four four two. Um, you might ask, hey Steven, your midfield can't stop anybody. And I would say to you, <laughs> score more goals to win the game.
1: <laughs> okay, so let's debate a little bit. Who we go with for goalkeeper? We have to pick our best eleven. Let's do it. Let's struggle through this real quick.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting, none of us picked De Gea, right? You know he was the um yeah. clean sheet winner. Um, I just, I, the goalkeeper one is so weird. Cause it's like, you know, is it the most efficient, like, you know, just letting the least amount of goals in, is it whatever? I feel like for me, I laid on Raya because he stopped the most, he came under the most pressure yet. He still had a decent goal record. Um, but Hey, you know, I can mm. be swayed easily on this one.
1: Yeah, same. And Steve's speaking my language over there with the World Cup winner, Aston Villa. I, did think, about it. I
0: think I think Emmy probably is a good pick. I'll be honest with that one. Let's go! Let's we got go. a Villa player in there. there I can't go. believe it. I'm okay with that. Obviously, unanimous, the three of us, and Trippier and Bauman. Um, yes. Pretty clear choices right there. I really, really struggled. I think that left back position, you both had the same answer. I just... I couldn't think of a good one. Obviously, I think you guys came up with a good answer, but Zinchenko started off decently well. Um, so many people had Luke Shaw. Yeah, yeah I guess I didn't good. even think about good. his season that much. Um, but even, you know, he had been written off prior mm-hmm. to the Euros. And I think the Euros is sort of his little moment that he kind of caught fire and rekindled himself. Um, so I, I'm okay with y'all's answer. Um, but for me, just I show you that left back one. Center back though. I came with Gabriel. I think... He had a good season with Arsenal. I think Arsenal's back line was much improved. They'd been leaky even last year um, in 2021-22. Um, so definitely much improved, and he was definitely a big difference maker there. But Ruben Diaz, um, it's just really hard for me to land on that one. I don't know. Who'd you say, Brandon?
1: I said John Stones. Um also, I don't even think Gabrielle's Arsenal's best defender. We forget about Saliba because he was injured for like the last right. ten games, yeah. but Saliba was like their rock. Um honestly, Saliba probably would have gone in there for me if he had played most of the season.
0: And that's um, my thing. Yeah. Game time.
1: Right. It's hard. You know, and I get the argument against John Stones of him sort of transitioning into more of a midfield role. Yeah. Um, Ruben Diaz, he didn't play enough though. I want to point this out. Manchester United had one of the best defenses this season, and we didn't put any of their players in the back for our team. Can we like do like a shock drop here with like? I don't even know if one would stand out, but like Rafael
0: Varane or well, he Hassan. had the injury, I think as well before the World yeah, Cup. He, yeah, I'm um, fine with
2: Gabriel. I'm fine with Cole's pick. He had a great year.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, do let's do it somewhere. Um, I put Declan Rice in there. What can I say?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve didn't put anybody. I put Casemiro.
2: I would go Casemiro I, if I had to choose those two, but I did see Declan Rice also it was on a lot of people's um Premier League's 11s as well.
1: And I think they both had major impacts for their club. Yeah. So either way, I'm totally fine. Um, Casemiro, Rolls Royce, done it all before. Um, and I think I think he probably had more of an impact.
0: Wasn't he but... a January signing?
1: No. no, no. Was he a
0: summer signing? Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, Anthony was Anthony summer. Yeah, Anthony might have been. Yeah. Was he? Jeez.
0: Who was the big Who was the big winter signing this year? Woot, Horse. Yeah. <laughs> the way you said it. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Castinger, That's probably a good shout as well. I, I I somehow I thought he was, um, winter, but I guess he had the whole Ronaldo experience. They wanted those two together and really didn't even pan out that much. So a shame there. Kevin De Bruyne had a clear choice. I think all of us picked him. I threw in Odegaard and Saka in my midfield. I think Odegaard definitely deserves there, but I would hear arguments against Saka if you guys had them. Um, but, I mean, come on. Odegaard, I think, definitely belongs in this best 11. No,
1: oh, It's so hard. Because... All of his goals
0: came from open play as well. Yeah. No, no penalties, all of his goals from open play.
1: It, it, it is absolutely amazing. I think Salah edges Saka for me.
0: I'm cool with but that. But
1: if there's a way to switch Rashford out for Odegaard, I think I'm totally fine with. On my team. I don't know. Steve has Matoma in there. So um, I want to hear Steve's argument. I mean, I
2: thought we were a Sean Deich and Matoma podcast, but uh, I mean, <laughs> never mind. No, I mean, it was just an honorable mention. I guess if you want to go with stats and ability, then he, he might fall out uh in comparison to Martin Odegaard. Um,
0: Steven, Steven's best 11 headline would have been, you won't believe which player made the best 11. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> he would have got all the clips. Cue the
2: thumbnail. Yeah, it's just like, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm fine dropping Mitsoma.
0: The football university golden child. God. And then Thank clearly God. up top, the two best goal scorers, Harry Kane and Erling Haaland. I mean, these guys scored pl- up.
2: 30 and 30 plus goal scorers. When last year it was sun tying...
1: 23 23 gosh it's insane i just can't believe kane did it on a with that horrible
2: horrible tottenham team he wasn't even in the final third most of the games that's the thing that's crazy about harry kane playing striker for tottenham he's not even in all those spots all the
0: time to score those goals and the stat that we talk about how bad they were 60 plus goals scored 60 plus goals conceded it's a miracle they finished where they did, didn't it, Steven? Uh, dude, honestly, this
2: team is going to be in trouble next year, but I don't want to think about that right now.
0: We'll definitely get to that. I'm sure over the course of the summer when we get to our Premier League preview, we'll talk all about Angie Postacaligou. Postake- I can't even say his name. <laughs> oh, God, we got a long way to go. <laughs> Steve's going to have fun. We're going to have fun learning his name this summer. The Greek-born Australian coach. Oh, I cannot wait for that one. Steve will um, never win it. No, I will <laughs> but- not. USA plays next week. hey yo. Huh. Going to be a fun So we got the Women's World Cup. we got MLS. Some big news that we'll talk about in the next episode regarding MLS. And one very special GOAT. Um, but that's been our Premier League team of the season. Our Premier League review. A little bit of a preview for the Champions League. We hope you guys enjoyed it because that is... The support Section Podcast, seventy-two episodes in, seventy-three on the way. We hope you enjoyed our time together today. If you made it this far, please do leave a like, leave a comment. What did you think of our best eleven? What would your best eleven look like? Any formation you want, let us know in the comments below. And subscribe if you have not already. Um, We would love to have that number increase closer to four digits away from three. Um, But I have been Cole Carter. They have been Brandon Pasenick and Steven Curl. Enjoy the Champions League final between Manchester City and Inter Milan. Will the trouble happen or the underdogs come out on top? We will see you on the next one to find out. Until then, peace out. See ya.